0: Welcome to the Cougar Tailgate, where BYU fandom lives. Here's your hosts, Sidney Carlson and Cole Wissinger.
1: Good afternoon, Cougar fans, and what a down and up, up and down, down and up in that order week it has been since we've talked to you last. My name's Cole Wissinger, Sydney Carlson, and BYU basketball, the roller coaster that we had at the beginning of the season that we thought had stabilized for us. It
2: continues on, Cole. It returned. <laughs>
1: Everyone scream, put your hands in the air, because
0: it was a weird week.
2: It was a very weird week.
0: On the post-up, he backs down, Child sees a double from Jake, the whip to Retino up high, a steal, Haas. Haas breaking it away, Haas to the rim, takes contact, reverse lay-in, good! There could have been a foul there, what a was a jog, oh. but what a scooping reverse oh. lay-in oh. score by TJ. 79-77, <laughs> BYU within two. The Cougars had a great comeback oh at Lord. St. Mary's to get to overtime. Can they do the same
1: or more here? And Greg Rebell, I believed as well, it just, this loss didn't feel real until later that night, because it was a weird afternoon game, and I, I mean, personally, when I was watching the game, I left to go get food when we had a (laughs) giant, like, 15-point lead, and when I came back, all of a sudden, BYU wasn't playing right, and we were down, but it seemed like we were coming back, and it just seemed like it was gonna work out, and then it didn't.
2: So what you're saying is it's your fault we lost? Because you abandoned the team? Right yeah, in the I'm middle. pretty sure
1: my plus minus while watching the game was at least like plus 10, <laughs> right? It's just when I wasn't in front of the television that they were losing.
2: One of the most um, like striking things about this game to me is it feels like San Francisco saw what we did um, last Saturday and said, you know what? We could do that. And like we got yeah. karma <laughs> to come back and slap us in the face real hard.
1: BYU got BYU'd BYU
2: did get BYU'd and it's funny um, San Francisco has done this to us before in fact last year I was looking I actually pulled up a game from last year thinking it was this year on ESPN.com and last year we played a game against them where at one point we had a 98% chance of winning and we oh. ended up losing it by 7 points so they they seem to take great joy in tearing our hearts out.
1: Yeah this year the highest it got was like 94.1%. So
2: yeah, not bad. <laughs> no big deal.
1: Oh yeah, I mean so San Fran and last year BYU loses, loses to San Francisco twice. Um, they're going to try to not have that happen again this year. But but you look at how they did it, right? And it was on the back of just a shining performance by Shabazz, ten for ten, thirty two dang points. And every time you were just every, as a BYU fan, every time he gets up there and you're hoping for just a miss. It did not happen, and as a San Francisco fan, that has to be like the most confident feeling because we've had oh, players for do that sure. too.
2: Right? Jake like, Toulson did that
1: <laughs> in the other game. We're going to talk about it exactly. And but but when it's coming up against you, it's just such a different feeling.
2: Yeah, it's got to be the hair, right? Shabazz's hair. He's just, oh goodness, he just feels really good. He's just feeling really confident in himself in all areas. Uh, yeah, it's it doesn't feel it doesn't feel as good when uh, when that ten for ten is on the other team. It feels a lot better when it's on your own team. But 10 for 10 is... That never happens. Like, that is a very impressive outing.
1: And the run that they went on... As a BYU fan, I would like to go undefeated. But that (laughs) San Francisco team felt like they deserved to win that game by the end. Oh, they took complete control. Yeah, they they just had control at a time. And even when BYU was kind of starting to come back, they just shut it down at at every opportunity. And it ends in a one-point game. But really, it... Kind of shouldn't have because when BYU had the chance to hit the free throws to bring it close enough for a last second three to matter, they didn't Mm -hmm. do it. And then that last second three happened, but when you're down by four and then the buzzer happens, math is not on your side.
2: Uh, 100%. I was just trying to see, like, maybe breakdown in the stats somewhere where there may have been a breakdown, but where we've struggled. This year, like offensive rebounds and in the paint, like it was pretty even across the board stats-wise. It was just that San Francisco got hot at the right time; like they just timed it so well.
1: Mm -hmm. Which is unfortunate. You look at the the stats, kind of mirroring each other and Mm -hmm. and being really similar. BYU uh, in the first half it was forty-five to thirty-eight. In BYU's advantage right. in the second half, it was forty-five to thirty-seven in San Francisco's advantage. So they scored one more point than we did right. in the half that they weren't as good, and that is your one point. That's all it takes.
2: They did uh outscore us at the free throw line, ninety percent to seventy percent. Seventy percent is and not again, good.
1: down the stretch, it was those free throws Yikes. that were They're so matter. crucial. They're so crucial. Well. Every, despite things not dropping for the Cougars when, when they most needed to in San Francisco, it was a very different story on Thursday
0: night. And the rebound to BYU into a transition triple. Toulson, he got it again! Jake Toolson five threes, five for six. Once again, he's Jake to make. 17 points for Toolson and BYU by 21, 64-43. And
1: he wasn't done, man. Jake Toulson was hitting everything. BYU scores over 100 points for the first time. We're going to be talking about revenge games later on today because St. Mary's is on the schedule. San Francisco will be on the schedule. Gonzaga will be on the schedule. But like the revenge tour started, right? You could feel that they didn't—something wasn't off for the team as well after the San Francisco loss. and And poor Pepperdine was just next in the way. And BYU just took it out on them.
2: Yeah, it feels like I, it's not quite a revenge game, which I think we're going to talk about a little later. But it felt a little bit like a uh, a rage game, yeah, if you what, will. There's a better word for <laughs> yeah. that. Yeah, exactly. Like we're not going to let what happened to us Thursday happen tonight. And I mean, I've been I've been around BYU athletics my whole life. I've since I've been working in the athletic department. I've been at every home BYU basketball game, and. I don't think we've scored over 100 points at home since I've been here in the last three years. And I just remember, it's funny, we have have a corporate partner, Jersey Mike's, who runs a promotion at the games that if BYU scores 90 points or more, that you get a free mini-sub the next day. Hey. And... and, and like it's a super like it's such a like generous offer, and we're we're looking at like last year, and that happened twice last year at home that we mm-hmm. scored over ninety points, and I'm like, oh, two times a year, yeah, we can absolutely do that. It's happened five times this year so Rogers far. And. <laughs> <mics>. <laughs> and um, and we were, we were joking just as a staff, like, so what happens if we hit 100? What about 110? Like, they just kept up in, up in the game last night. It was really fun well, to watch. We can
1: go on another tangent for a second then. Utah State, the, the state of Utah fans will know that the Jazz also have a similar kind of weird oh, thing yeah, that yeah. shouldn't happen, right? Chick-fil-A will give you a free, at one point it was a sandwich, <laughs> if in the, in, it's super specific. So it seems like it should never happen. But for home games, so you cut all games in half... In the fourth quarter, the opposing team has to miss two free throws in a row. Like they go to the line for two and they miss both of them. Right. How many times do you even have home games where the opposing team is at the line? Like, And then to miss two of them seems like it should never happen. Just last week, it happened two nights in a row. Ooh, and yikes. so Chick-fil-A went from offering a free sandwich to free nuggets to then it was just like... A drink. A drink. <laughs> because they did not anticipate that happening, because statistically, it should not.
2: Yeah. No, it's it's true. We have a similar promotion with Wallabies, um, but it's only in the second half, and it's the same thing. It's got to be back-to-back free throws. And mm-hmm. I think it's only happened maybe two or three times this year, and exactly. it's never happened back-to-back, to my knowledge. That's normal. So, yeah, it's funny those things that you don't really think about as like... As, as the fan, like how it impacts the the
1: corporate, <laughs> the
2: corporation. In fact, that same Jersey Mike's promotion, we had fans that apparently went right after a game. I want to say it was the LMU game and were banging on the door after the game, even <laughs> though it very specifically said, like, the tomorrow. Step, yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> they were like, where's our sandwich? I'm like, ah, poor Jersey Mike's. Calm down. You got some free stuff. We appreciate you. It's- <laughs>
1: You'll be fine. But you get free stuff because 107 points to 80 in the Pepperdine waves. And they're, I mean, Pepperdine's not the bottom of this conference. They're, like, in that middle chunk that BYU was dangerously sitting at for a cool second right after San Francisco. Yeah, and then the Cougars asserted themselves back up to the upper echelon, right? Record-wise, things look similar, but BYU proved that they deserve to still be in that tournament conversation.
2: It's true. And the games this year have been especially strange. Um, there's a headline in the Deseret News that says in a game of wild runs, and it's true because in uh, in that San Francisco game and now in this Pepperdine game and in several games this season, there have been long stretches of like 16-0 and runs. BYU at one point in this Pepperdine game was up by like 23 points. And then suddenly I remember... I'm sitting there at the game just feeling like, oh, we've got this in hand. And I swear I looked down and looked back up and we were up by five. And I was like, wait, what happened? I
1: thought that this was <laughs> an established I yeah. thought
2: we had this in hand. And they and, all, they you, tend to like finally bring it out, but yeah.
1: Well, you look at like the, the plus minuses or whatever. It's not a specific dude that's like not doing his job every time. Right. Like it's it's just the team in general can't seem to yeah be consistent all at the same time. They just go
2: they go through a hot streak or a cold streak, and they are consistent in those streaks.
1: <laughs> consistent in inconsistency,
2: hundred percent.
0: But the thing is, these gaudy numbers—they're—they're. They're, they can't trick us, guys. Like, this February and March is about guarding. You know, I'm telling you, like, we cannot be tricked by these numbers. We're going to come in here on Saturday night, and this is going to be a slugfest against a great team that's already proven they can win a conference tournament championship in this league that's really veteran and that's playing great right now. And And if we come in here thinking, hey, we're just going to bang a bunch of shots, that is not what's going to win us the game. What is going to win us the game is us getting stopped. And we just got to live there. We got to stay there.
1: When we come back on the Cougar Tailgate, we will be getting to know today's opponent, the first stop on the BYU Revenge Tour from the WCC losses so far. It's the St. Mary's Gales, and their play-by-play man, Alex Jensen, will be joining us. That's coming up next. Welcome back into the Cougar Tailgate. I'm Cole Wissinger. Later tonight, BYU has a rematch with St. Mary's, the two teams that went to overtime earlier this year in Moraga. Tonight, the game is in Provo. So we're getting ready for the game the only way we know how here on the show. You invite an expert in and ask him about mascots and food and other useless stuff. Alex Jensen is the radio voice of the Gales basketball and a graduate of St. Mary's College himself. Welcome into the Cougar tailgate, Alex.
0: Cole, thanks for having me, man. Good to be here.
1: All right, so we will get to who you think will win later tonight. Uh, later, but first, the important question: What is a
0: gale? A gale. This is probably a popular question amongst uh, amongst <laughs> the West Coast Conference, especially. But a gale is, uh, for St. Mary's purposes, it's an Irish night. Okay. Um, so that, that's that's the that's the layman term. Now, um, a, a, technically, a gale is, is kind of like like the Boston Celtics where it's a, it's a culture in ancient Ireland, uh, the Gaelic culture, much like the Celtic culture. Um, but for, for St. Mary's purposes, it is an Irish night. And actually, uh, if you want to dive further into that, the baseball team at St. Mary's, and maybe even the college in general, used to be known as the Phoenix a long, long time ago, like early 1900s. I know okay. the baseball team uh, adopted that nickname until uh, they discontinued the program and they picked it up again uh, in, you know, 40 30, 40, 50 years ago. Uh, but the baseball program particularly, particular, I know this because I played baseball at St. Mary's, but the baseball program in particular in the 20s and 30s and even before that was known as the Phoenix. I'm not sure about the whole school. I don't think it was. I think they've always been the Gales. But the baseball program has also been known as the Phoenix. But, yeah, for, for, you know the, the, uh, the short of it is that a, a Gale for St. Mary's purposes is an Irish knight. Gotcha.
1: And so do you have a mascot that is an Irish knight that goes around?
0: You know, if you've seen the movie Braveheart, the um, mascot <laughs> is a little bit like, like uh, Mel Gibson. You got Mel Gibson, Gibson. Movie, all right. Braveheart. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. I, you know, I, there used to be, when I was in school, there was like a big inflatable guy wearing armor. Um, and actually, our old school mascot, which you'll see on, we wear a red uniform. Some actually, actually wore him last time. Uh, uh, the Gales played BYU, but there's yeah, like a yeah. guy gallop- galloping on a horse, which is an old school logo. Uh, which when Saint Mary's used to have football, which was they discontinued football in 2004, uh, that was, they were known as the Galloping Gales, and that was the the, the mascot used quite often. They're starting to bring that back, uh, kind of trickle it back a little bit more. I think it's an awesome throwback logo.
1: Yeah, exactly. It's like a throw, and it kind of feels like a crest, right? And that that adds to that old Gaelic tradition look to it. I I love it.
0: Oh, without a doubt, yeah, if you look at the, the logo now, especially, I mean they, they uh, I think this logo was the SMC intertwined with the G shield. I'm pretty sure it was uh, it came out around 2006 or 2007, uh, but they'd wanted to make it like an an Irish, um, an Irish pattern. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm not sh- exactly sure what the official word is for, it, but yeah, the, the crest is it looks I, I'm a fan of it, to be honest with you.
1: So, uh, Gale, <laughs> Gale is spelled G-A-E-L, but you also got the student section there that kind of does the play on words with Gale Force,
0: right? Right. Right. That is correct. And that is also spelled G-A-E-L, but yeah, it's kind of a, a double one. You know, it's, it actually, it's fun, you know, like going around to all these schools, especially in the West Coast Conference, and, and checking out the, what the student sections are called. I know at BYU they have the Rock. Uh-huh. I think the one at Pe- Pepperdine is pretty clever. It's called the Riptide. <laughs> uh, I think the fog zone at USF, uh, the Rough Riders at, at, uh, at Santa Clara. Obviously, you got the kennel at Gonzaga. It, it's oh, yeah. cool to see uh, the different iterations of what schools come up with. But, yes, that, that's good knowledge. The, uh, the student section at St. Mary's is called Gale Force.
1: And so do you guys, do you have any, and I mean, you're the right one to ask because you were a student once upon a time yourself. Are there any other, like, cool traditions that the students bring to the games that you think are unique to St. Mary's? Oh, unique
0: to St. Mary's. Um, you know, I, I really can't think of anything. Cole, well, to be honest with you, there is, before Randy Bennett, there's not a whole lot of tradition to this program. Uh, you know, he took on, I'll get into the exit notes for a second and mm-hmm. kind of a, a longer-winded explanation here, but sure, sure. Randy Bennett took over the Gales. Uh, they had been to three NCAA tournaments uh, in a long, long history, uh, you know, dating back to the beginning of the NCA tournament. Uh, they were twenty-seven the year he took over, so there wasn't a whole lot of interest in this program. Uh, at, at least at the time that Randy Bennett took over, especially after 1997 when the Gales were coached by Ernie Kent, who so ended up at, uh, at Oregon and, and played Tim Duncan in the first round of the NCAA tournament. So I, I don't really know many traditions. I think the traditions now are kind of being built, the Australian tradition. Uh, whenever an Australian makes a basket, uh, the PA announcer will say, we'll do the Aussie chant, Aussie, 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 and the crowd will follow with oi, oi, oi. That's about it, man. And actually, you know what, over the last five years, we started a tradition of right around Australia Day, whichever home game that is, we'll play the Australian National Anthem. We'll call it Australian Heritage Night. We'll hand out T-shirts coming through the door. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, it's, it's not a program with a rich, deep tradition. It's, it's, it's building one, certainly, ever since Randy Bennett arrived. Uh, Absolutely. But we're we're kind of getting there.
1: Well, I love, I love that you went there, and, and I appreciate the history, too, that that Aussie pipeline is, I've, when I think of St. Mary's, that's kind of what I think of. Go ahead and go into some of the players that NBA fans or just college basketball fans will remember from St. Mary's. Some of your favorite interviews over the years or, or just the guys that St. Mary's are known for?
0: Sure. Well, the the two that are going to stand out to most people are Patty Mills and Matthew Delvedova, who are mm-hmm. both who both won an NBA championship. Patty Mills was actually a, a freshman when I was a senior, so I remember the impact that he had uh, on the program. I mean, he was kind of a, a game changer, uh, you know, for the St. Mary's basketball program. He was really the first NBA type of talent. Uh, the first prominent Australian was back in the early 2000s. And his name was Daniel Kicker, and he is still playing. In fact, before Patty Mil- or before Matthew Delvedova broke the The scoring mark at St. Mary's, Daniel Kicker was the all-time leading scorer at St. Mary's. And he was the first prominent Australian. The first Australian came way back in 2001. Randy Bennett was just looking for an extra player. He had a scholarship to fill, and uh, a guy by the name of Adam Caporn was uh, looking for a place to play. And at that time, Australians didn't come to the United States to play very often. Well, Adam Caporn came, uh, loved his experience, told Daniel Kicker about it. They became teammates, and actually Adam Caporn ended up being a coach at St. Mary's uh, up until about five years ago, and now he's the, the head coach of the, uh, the Australian Center of Excellence there, which is where a lot of the best players, Patty Mills, Matthew Delvedo, and Jock Landale is another one that a lot of BYU fans mm, Yeah, uh, I, I do remember that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Emmett Nar is another one. Uh, so there will be more Australians to come for sure. Uh, but some of my favorite interviews, Emmett Narr and Dane Peneau is a one-two punch uh, just in terms of just off-the-floor, uh, comedy, man, those two guys, like, dry sense of humor, <laughs> I, like, right up my alley. Those Emmett and R. Dane Pinot, two of, the, two of the funniest guys I've met in my time at St. Mary's.
1: I'll go back, look them up. Hey, and and when I did my research, um, I came across a name that I recognized as, as a film fan. Some guy named Mahershala Ali <laughs> played basketball <laughs> for the Gales.
0: He sure did. Uh, he was there in the mid-'90s, I believe, uh, or maybe it was late-'80s, late-'80s, yeah. Um, but he still gives money back to the school. He was on the Ellen Show about a year ago, and the, uh, the fund that he decided to donate to was uh, a fund at St. Mary's College, a scholarship fund at St. Mary's College. And Most that's of the awesome. students at St. Mary's College are actually on some form of financial aid. Um, so he still he still does give back to the community. I know he's kind of stepped away from basketball a little bit, but yeah, that, that is, <laughs> uh, that's very good knowledge. He did indeed play basketball at St. Mary's. I
1: mean, that is the MCU's future blade, that has saint mary's ties i love i love finding stuff like that um so the west coast conference was kind of born there in northern california but as someone that's only ever been to san francisco like on vacation once to get a bread bowl um could you kind of give us an idea of what the geography like where's moraga sit next to stockton or san francisco or the other or pacific uh, that area
0: Sure. So, uh, Moraga is actually—I mean, as the crow flies—from it, it, it actually shares a border with Oakland, uh, which is oh. on the east side, obviously, right across the bridge from from San Francisco. Like right there, uh, there are hills that run along the east side of Oakland, north to south. Moraga is on the other side of one of those hills. It's in between Oakland and a suburb of Oakland called Walnut Creek, which is a, a bigger town, Walnut Creek and Concord area. So, it's right there in between the two. The campus is really tucked away. It's beautiful. If you ever if Anyone listening, if you ever get a chance and you you like walking college campuses, St. Mary's is, and I'm biased, of course, but (laughs) it's a very unique place because it's tucked in between these hills. It's uh, got old Spanish architecture. All the the buildings are old Spanish architecture with the white stucco and the red tile roofs. Uh, But it's just a beautiful place to go on a walk, on a hike. There's plenty of hiking trails uh, in the mountains outside the campus there. Uh, So Stockton is about an hour east of Moraga, San Francisco, about a 45-minute drive west, if you include traffic, of course. And then Santa Clara would be about a 45-minute drive south, which Santa Clara is basically in San Jose. I actually grew up in Oakland, uh, and St. Mary's was probably, the clo- as the crow flies, the closest co- Division One college uh, to my house, even though Cal was right there as well. So it's right there next to Oakland, between Oakland and a city called Walnut Creek, which a lot of people will probably be familiar with.
1: You mentioned, again, being a student at St. Mary's. I want to get just your favorite memory as a fan of basketball in uh, all your time rooting for the St. Mary's Gales. What's, what's well, the most vivid one?
0: There's a couple of them. Uh, my first year there, I, I came to St. Mary's as a transfer from junior college to play baseball. But, we, you know, I mean, uh, when I was there, our whole team would go to the basketball games. You know, I mean, it was, it was like an event. There, there's not much to do in Moraga.
1: It's <laughs> kind of a bedroom
0: community. Um, and uh, so we would go to the basketball game, every single home basketball game my first year there we beat Gonzaga and uh, you know, that was when Gonzaga had uh, you know, Josh Heitzfeld and this was just after Adam Morrison had graduated Right. and uh, St. Mary was up by 7 or so and everyone was so excited that we rushed the court before the, before the final horn sounded <laughs> like, with like a second and a half left so Oops. Uh, Gonzaga, there was a technical Gonzaga got free throws and then we rushed the court again so that was one of them. The other one was uh, Patty Mills' coming out party. This is when I was a student. Mm-hmm. Uh, St. Mary's hosted Oregon, who was number 10 in the country at the time, and Patty Mills uh, went off for 37 points. And it was really kind of his, uh, his, like I said, his coming out party of, uh, of, of being a superstar. Um, and then there's one more, and this is just all at St. Mary's. The Sweet 16 run in 2010, of course, was was uh, was his number one in terms of team success. Mm-hmm. There was- NIT game in Moraga in Patty Mills' sophomore years last year at St. Mary's. I think it would have been the 2009 NIT when Davidson came to play at St. Mary's. So you had Steph Curry on one side and Patty Mills and, uh, and St. Mary's on the other side. And, you know, for, for those of you listening who have never gotten a chance to go to a basketball game in, in McHugh Pavilion, it is unlike anything I can explain to you. I mean, it's not, it's a 3,500 seat gym, uh, but it gets unbelievably loud in there because the roof is so low. There's just no, so for a big game like that, Oh, you got that type of buzz when BYU or Gonzaga comes to town. I highly recommend taking in a basketball game at the Kewaunee. Pavilion. Right, See, you, sorry, University Credit Union Pavilion now.
1: Right, right, right. And we we take a lot of pride in our Marriott Center around here, but there's just as you should. There's a different vibe though, and especially in your gym. I, I loved. I, I watched the the last game that BYU played there on TV, and it, it almost looks like a horseshoe kind of effect to how the fans are sitting. And you got like a big old. Uh, the The jumbotron's just on the wall over on the one side. It's it's such a cool and like the rafters look low. It's a good look.
0: Yeah, you know what? Um, Mark Emmer, who's, who's the president of the NCAA, came to the game when St. Mary's played Gonzaga either last year or two years ago. And I remember it, it, our our AD says this all the time, Mike Matoso. He said Mark Emmer told him this is how college basketball should be. Like this is what it's meant to be. Yeah. It's a small gym, people pack it in. Everyone's real passionate about the Gales, you know. Um, it, it's definitely unique. I mean, the Marriott Center is, you know, I mean, it's one of my favorite places to call a game. But you want to talk about fan passion? Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the fans at BYU are as passionate as anybody in the country. Same can be said for the folks in Spokane at Gonzaga. I did a game at Dayton uh, a few years ago. That's a lot like BYU or Gonzaga, the way they, they pack it. But, yeah. University Credit Union Pavilion is, you mentioned it's like a horseshoe. There's more bleachers on the sidelines. There's a small VIP section sitting above one of the baskets that's about five or six rows deep. Um, And then, yeah, you have the wall. And actually there was a plan about five or six years ago to knock that wall down and put seating in. They can never really get the schematics going, though. Like it just didn't work out. So now they have a different renovation plan. It's not going to add more seating over there, but it's going to add some extra experiences for the student-athletes. As well as the fans, I think they're going to be putting an outdoor patio on that side, and uh, and they're going to they're going to kind of spruce it up a little bit. So it won't look different on TV. Uh-huh. It'll be a better experience, a better game day experience. And a better experience for the student athlete. Yeah,
1: more st- more stuff to do. That's really cool. All right, uh, last question then before I let you go here and, and let you get your prep on for the game because you're you're going to have a busy night in front of you as well. I always ask before you go um, what you expect to see tonight for this basketball game between St. Mary's and BYU. Well, I
0: mean. So, obviously, we didn't get to see Yoli Childs in the last matchup. Um, I, I thought that that was a game, though, that St. Mary's could have won by 12 or 15. I didn't think the Gales played great in that game at home, mm-hmm. which is which is odd. And they were kind of going through a transition period, uh, losing their starting center, and really trying to figure themselves out. So they kind of let BYU uh, you know, hang around and then get back into the game at the end. St. Mary's had a nine-point lead with, like, three minutes left. BYU came back and forced it's overtime. Somehow
1: it goes late. to overtime, yeah.
0: Right, somehow it goes to overtime. It's a fantastic game in every game featuring the Gales and the Cougars seems to be, I mean, it's just a great game every single time. This is a, this is a huge game uh, for both teams. I think BYU might need this one a little bit more than St. Mary's does, especially in terms of uh, the West Coast Conference standings. When you look at BYU, they're one game behind St. Mary's right now. Mm-hmm. But like, let's not kid ourselves. When it comes down to March, every game right now is so important. And for either one of these teams, actually I think this would be a quad two win for BYU, but –
1: you know, for the Gales, and
0: looking at it from St. Mary's perspective, you, you can't afford to – and the St. Mary's has some very good wins, right? They beat Wisconsin. They pounded Arizona State. They beat Utah State, as did BYU. They beat Nevada, as did BYU. They beat mm-hmm. San Francisco on the road. But these are the types of opportunities that, that don't come around all that often in West Coast Conference play. So I think, you know, the three games remaining, looking at it from St. Mary's perspective, the two games against Gonzaga and the one against BYU, I think St. Mary's wins one of those games. It doesn't slip up and uh, the rest of conference play. Easier said than done, of course. and I think they're looking pretty on uh, on Selection Sunday.
1: Close game and, and two NCAA kind of teams. That's what we're hoping for on this end as well. When when you look at the WCC as a whole, St. Mary's, BYU, Gonzaga, and any combination of them getting together, it's always an entertaining one for the fans.
0: Without a doubt, man. I mean, it's, I love the West Coast Conference. <laughs> I mean, I've been in for a little while, but adding BYU is just such a, you know, I mean, it just adds so much more. Uh, Especially the basketball
1: season. Alex Jensen is the play by play man for the St. Mary's Gales, and we appreciate you coming on the show today. Thank you so much. Cool.
0: Thanks a lot, man. Maybe I'll see you at the Marriott Center.
1: I hope to. When we come back on the Cougar Tailgate, Sydney and I will be discussing just how BYU normally fares in that second game of a series in their WCC history. That's coming up next. Don't go anywhere. tailgate I'm Cole Wissinger sitting over there is Cindy Carlson and we'd like to thank Alex Jensen coming on teaching us a little bit more about the St. Mary's Gales as we prepare for tonight's basketball game at the Marriott Center show up folks it'll be fun
2: Uh, it'll be a great game and uh, (sighs) games against St. Mary's are always fun I think in the Marriott Center especially if we can pack the house it'll be loud it'll be ruckus and I think I'm looking forward to a close game
1: Yes, with a certain <laughs> team ending up on top because yes. because you hope that the second time you get them you know a little bit more right it's it's sure. that concept of Andy Reid coming off a of bye week and <laughs> oh yeah hey, what is uh, there a Super Bowl this, this week or something <laughs> something else going on um let's take a tangent before we go into uh before we go into the rest of our revenge and BYU let's, stuff let's. because Andy Reid's coming off a of bye week BYU's own. Uh, along with Danny Sorensen on the roster against Fred Warner and the San Francisco Forty ers Sydney, who you got?
2: In my heart, I want it to be the uh, Kansas City Chiefs. Okay. I really don't. I don't. Not sure. I could give you a strong reason. I did meet Andy Reid when he was here for media day. Yeah, a couple of years ago. He
1: had the BYU Hawaiian shirt. Yeah, like yeah It was yeah. blue instead of his normal. Yeah. Low. He just has a hundred of them, so.
2: Super nice guy. Um, and I just have always really rooted for him throughout his entire NFL career, even when he's back with the Eagles, even though Eagles fans are insane. Sorry, Eagles fans. They
1: are. That's They <laughs> own up to it.
2: <laughs> um, I just, I find his style of coaching and like watching what he's able to do with, I don't know, various, various talents and teams like to be really intriguing, like the the Eagles and the Chiefs. I mean,
1: they're different feeling teams in a lot of ways. Yeah, he doesn't have like a truly identifiable. Yeah. Oh, that's an Andy Reid team because he. There's not like an Andy Reed system. So well. Yeah,
2: yeah, for sure. So it's really fun to watch him coach and his teams play, and I love watching Patrick Mahomes play football. Oh, yeah. I think I've talked on this podcast before. I don't have a. I don't have an NFL team. I grew up here. We don't have an NFL team, so I can't claim a hometown team. Right, right. The closest, interestingly enough. Me growing up was probably the Niners because my dad liked to root for Steve Young, mm-hmm. so he he like he really rooted for the Niners that growing is common up. Common
1: around these parts,
2: sure. And so, really, who I root for are people that I just love to watch, and that happens to be Patrick Mahomes. I also love watching Danny Swanson play and BYU players, but you've got mm-hmm. one on either side, so it's like, how do you
1: choose? And they're both on the defense. And I've learned over years of watching football to, even though it's a different game. Right. And offense is fun. And a lot of the rules favor the offense that even now defense still does win championships more times than not. When you look at the Super 100%. Bowls where the number one offense played the number one defense, defenses are undefeated and the 49er defense is better, I think, than what the Chiefs' offense could be. I I am similarly rooting for Andy Reid because yeah. the guy for so long early in his career had the stigma that he can't win the big game and sure. all of those NFC, like three NFC championships in a row. Yeah, he well, just that's couldn't... what lost him the job in Philadelphia is people got oh. tired of
2: him never kind of finishing. And then,
1: yeah, and then... Chip Kelly got him where Eagles fans, Come literally on. nowhere. Exactly. So we love Andy Reid, but I think I'm going to pick the 49ers because I think okay. I just I don't root against the defense.
2: I can see that. I definitely can see that. I will say, I part of my emotional reaction to who I want to win is that where you been, San Francisco 49ers fans? Where uh, uh, where you been the last couple years when your team has been? And I there's been a couple fans that I know of that have like been true 49ers fans okay, yeah. through, through the downtimes. Yeah. But man alive are there a lot of them now, and they are <laughs> loud, and they are not fun to talk to on Twitter.
1: <laughs> this is also a Utah thing, because my one other friend that I have made since moving here to this beautiful state that grew up in Utah has a similar just distaste for 49ers fans yeah. more so than any other fan base. And I think that's that's the the fairweatherness that you get to have by not yeah. really having... Like, I grew up in western Pennsylvania. You were either a Steelers fan or you made a conscious decision to not be a Steelers <laughs> fan, which yeah. means you in for the Cowboys or the Patriots and you got beat up on Sundays. And, <laughs> and that's just the way things were. But yeah. here... Oh, the Broncos are good. Let's root for the Broncos for a bit. The Raiders are good. Let's do the Raiders thing. You know, you got some options around. Like, my buddy who grew up in Southern Utah is a Cardinals fan, has been for his whole life. That's yeah. just, that's what he roots for. Yeah. But they all hate the Niners fans because they just kind of come. It's gotten and go.
2: so loud. Yes. So insane. We actually, uh, Tom Homo encouraged everybody in the athletic department today to, like, rep their colors didn't matter which it was but just wear a jersey to work gotcha uh we had nice. one chiefs fan nice one 49er nice sets. i know i, I got that sweater right. <laughs> i'm wearing a pink sweater <laughs> remaining neutral um the only time i've worn a jersey to work was right after the uh the red Sox won the world series because oh, yeah. my boss is a huge yankees fan oh yeah so i actually borrowed it from someone but it's funny it's it just is kind of a like epitomizes Utah sports culture because we had one Kansas City jersey and it's a coworker who grew up in Kansas City. We had one 49ers jersey uh someone who will remain nameless <laughs> who who I feel like fits the like I uh, who Where have you been? Where have you been, 49ers fans? And well, then just like about. Skittles, like every color of the rainbow. We had a Chargers jersey. We had a Broncos jersey, a Steelers jersey. Like it was all over the place. A Jazz jersey. Somebody showed up in a Rudy Gobert jersey. Like, <laughs> like what? He he just got named to the All-Star team. Like, I don't know what we want me to say. It just
1: kind of seems <laughs> wrong to show up to work at BYU, though, wearing red. And both the 49ers and the Chiefs True. are, eh. So you it's
2: know. true. It's actually kind of an, a, an unspoken rule that, that you thou shalt not wear red yeah. if you work in the athletic department.
1: You know what other team wears red?
2: Ah, St. No, Mary's. segue. Look at that segue. I'm zing so zing. Good at this. So
1: BYU <laughs> plays St. Mary's later on. T- Wait. So did you pick? Did you pick a team? Are you on the record?
2: I just niners I really, or chiefs. I'll listen. I'll take Chiefs. You took Niners. I'll take Chiefs.
1: Perfect. That's what I like to hear. Conflict. Okay. <laughs> so BYU plays St. Mary's tonight, and I went back and I looked. I I don't know if there's anything particularly interesting here, but I did the research, and I just want to share it with the people because <laughs> since BYU has joined the WCC starting. Right after Jimmer, right? Okay. It's a very clean line to kind of put on things.
2: 2011.
1: Um, yeah, so 2011 to 2012, BYU has a winning record throughout the WCC. That's easy to see. But you also, once I was actually writing down all of the wins and losses, particularly the losses because there's lots of them to count, you start to see some patterns. First pattern that I noticed is that in the past five years, this year included, we have played St. Mary's. In the first weekend of WCC play, like, but in wow, January, like first week of January, first three or so games, we get St. Mary's on the schedule, and since WCC play has started, including this year. Gonzaga is either our last or second-to-last game yep. on the schedule as well. Yep, yep, yep. BYU always starts against St. Mary's. They always end against Gonzaga, and it's been to mixed results. The main thing I wanted to look at and the main storyline we kind of want to have today is the idea of revenge because <laughs> that San Francisco game was rough, and we've got San Francisco again on the schedule in Provo. Gonzaga was rough, but well, we've got week. Gonzaga again in Provo, and tonight it's St. Mary's in Provo. And you look and—, and it does make the difference that they make it out to to be. There's years look at 2014 specifically. So like 13 to 14. Um, We had losses to LMU Pepperdine Portland and Gonzaga. On the road we beat them all at home like it was just that's the split. Uh, We did it again in 2016 where you lose to St. Mary's Portland Pepperdine you lose on the road you win at home. So when people talk about you know assuming wins or kind of getting an extra half a point or whatever when it's at home in college basketball, that has proven to be a thing. Oh, it's real in BYU.
2: I would say, too, with with BYU more so than any other team in the league. And we've talked about this before. There's something to be said about just the size of our venue. Even if we're not filling, even if we fill the Marriott Center halfway. We're still doubling what some of those other schools are hitting attendance-wise, and I think that's a big jump. Even just this, the sheer size of the Marriott Center has got to be a little bit intimidating, especially if you have guys who are maybe freshmen and never have played in the Marriott Center. Like The first time you step onto that court, it's got to be a little bit daunting, and so that's an advantage that we have over everybody else in the league, and I, um, I'm... That's like a definitely like a i don't know is it cheating? it's not cheating, we just we got a big we got a big, uh, big arena
1: it's an advantage <laughs> it's an inherent advantage that comes with it because again, you get into that mode of w c c play and b y u gets just every other game coming back to the Marriott Center, but all the other teams are playing in all the other small right. arenas until it's b y u
2: yeah it's interesting that it seems though that. BYU has been almost more successful in Spokane some years. like The years that we do beat Gonzaga, it seems that it's in Spokane rather than at the Marriott Center, whereas our home court advantage is so strong against the other teams. it's. I like, too, that um, to me, it's almost like the league is saying something by putting BYU and Gonzaga the, as the, the last schedule. game of the yeah, schedule every uh-huh. year. Even though a lot of years it's been Gonzaga and St. Mary's up at the top, by putting us as kind of like the finale <laughs> year after year, I don't know. It makes me feel proud in a way. Just like, yeah, we're an important game. We and are the finale. We are the grand finale.
1: And they're doing it for good reason. In the one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight years of the WCC, Gonzaga's only swept us three times. Like, BYU's yeah. gotten that revenge game later on in the season, or they picked up the early one, or whatever it they is. is. We've split with Gonzaga five out of the eight years that we've been here.
2: That's pretty impressive.
1: And considering, I mean... We, we love BYU, but Gonzaga has been objectively better as a basketball yes. team every single year that we've been here. <laughs> Gonzaga's still Gonzaga, yeah. yeah. Other teams do not have the kind of success that BYU does, and so that's why we, uh, we get that primetime in the schedule, right. primetime in the year game.
2: What is our split with St. Mary's? I feel like we haven't done as well against St. Mary's.
1: Yeah, St. Mary's has a couple more sweeps. It was tw- in 2018, 2017. Those were both sweeps. Then we did a split and a split. And a, uh, BYU got the sweep in 2014. St. Mary's got a sweep in 12 and 13. Yeah, actually, yeah. BYU's got a worse record against St. Mary's than they do against Gonzaga. That's what I
2: remember, which is Since so crazy. St. Mary's just seems to have our number. <laughs> I don't like it, but that's that's the way it has been. So revenge game, boys, tonight.
1: That's what we got. And that's what we're going for. And if it's going to happen, it's going to be that home court advantage that BYU brings to it. When we come back, we're actually going to talk to the marketing coordinator here at BYU that kind of comes up with some of those fun fan interactions that make a trip to the Marriott Center so much more than just the basketball game that we all love to watch. That's coming up next on the Cougar Tailgate. To the Cougar Tailgate. I'm Cole Wisner, and that over there is Sydney Carlson. And earlier this week, Sydney, you got a chance to talk to one of the people behind the scenes. Everyone loves the basketball environment, but but you don't take a minute to think about all the things that go into the production of a live game.
2: Hundred uh, percent. Yeah, I got to talk to Anna Kilpak She's a marketing coordinator with athletics, and. Uh She's actually like my partner in crime in a lot of ways. <laughs> we uh, we do anything. She she explains it later on as like anything that's not the game that happens in the game. Anna's in charge of, and on a smaller scale, anything that has a corporate sponsor on it, I'm in charge of. So it was fun to kind of uh, pick her brain a little bit and talk to her outside of like that coworker dynamic. But she had a lot to say about like what makes the games exciting for the fans. So Anna, give us just kind of a quick background on what you do day-to-day. So day-to-day, well, so my overall job is game
3: production for uh, football and men's basketball at BYU. So what that entails is um, basically how I describe it to people is everything that you see and experience at a game that isn't the game so when cheers out on the field and they're leading in a cheer that's I have some involvement in that and coordinating when they're gonna go out on the field things you see on the video board timing that out Um, promotions you see down on the field half times giveaways I work with all the different entities that organize that so that we are all on the same page and that the the game experience runs well for the fan.
2: Totally and you mentioned kind of all the different moving parts but how many people do you think you coordinate with on a weekly basis? Oh man a lot. <laughs> um I
3: coordinate with So Cheer, Cougars Band, the A V O I T group which is a handful of different groups within that, um the uh, corporate sponsorships group, um my own students that run down things down on the field. I have a student that runs music. Um I coordinate with the the person that sends out the timing sheet that goes to TV. Um, yeah, a lot, a lot of different groups, a lot of different people.
2: So it takes a village to make yes. a basketball game happen. very much so. What would you say, like, why do you think that your job is important to the game day experience? So I think the
3: reason my role is important is because I, my biggest focus is the fan. So each of those en- entities specializes in something that I don't specialize in. So I don't specialize in AV and what's going to look good on the video board. So I rely on them and their expertise. So I was like... Of hey, this is gonna how this is how it's gonna look, this is how we can make it look better. Um, same thing with you know the band, they know how things are operating. The music person, like, they all specialize in their own thing. And I, my focus is on the fan experience, so I'm trying to think of things from the fan experience and coordinating all of those groups to optimize the fan experience. So sometimes that means you know one group has to change what they're doing slightly, or Two or three different groups have to collaborate in a different way than they are maybe normally used to because they're only thinking of like their expertise.
2: So when you look at, I mean, we're obviously we're heavy, heavily into basketball right now. Right. But when you look at a basketball or a football game, what are some fan experience things that you've been a part of that are like really memorable to you or that you're really proud of? Yeah, um, specifically with basketball. Um,
3: one thing when I came into this job a couple of years ago is whenever and this is really small, and probably most people don't notice it, but that's okay. Um, it's not meant to be noticed necessarily <laughs> by the fan that anything's different. Um, but we would sing the fight song like four times before a game started, which was fine. But the problem is most people don't show up to a basketball game until like five minutes before tip. Right. So you're playing the fight song with about five people standing <laughs> up singing. It It was always just terribly awkward. And I was like, oh, I hate this so much. It just feels so awkward. And so um, mid-season last year, we we took out a lot of the pregame fight songs, um, and we used to have cheering cougarettes come down to the court at 20 minutes prior to um, tip off when the team came out, and that's, like, about the 20, 25-minute mark. And same thing, it was just I felt so bad for them because they're down on the court trying to, like, pump people up, and there's no one in the stands. (laughs) And so it was more just I felt bad for them than I did for the fan. And I was like, hey, like, we could revamp this. We could make this better. And so um, we decided to kind of cut all production in terms of like lights and cheer and cougarettes and kind of like that that pump up style production until when the team comes back out on the court at four minutes on the clock when the arena is a little more full, um, people are usually kind of walking in so they're already on their feet. Like um, just a overall better environment in there, especially when it's like your bigger games with your bigger opponents and there's a, a good attendance. You can kind of feel that like energy build right up until and like it kind of maintains up until tip off which is really nice so that's something that I was kind of proud of with basketball is kind of just looking at like what the current situation was like okay how can we make this better so we call it let's get it started and what we do is at that kind of like five minute mark before the team comes out we play let's get started by black eyed Peas. Right. lights go down cheering cougarettes come down the four corner stairs and they're throwing out t-shirts and we've got spotlights going we do crowd shots um And like I said, especially on those big games, it it feels really good in that arena because people are up, they're moving, they're singing, um, and then the team comes out about a minute after we sing
2: fight song, and then everything just kind of keeps rolling from there. For sure. Um, Talk to us a little bit about halftime. Like, what do you look for in halftime performances?
3: Um, I just, whatever fans are going to want, that's what I look for. So last year, um, we brought in Red Panda for the first time, and one of the only reasons I reached out to her is I didn't even know she existed before that but she just blew up on social media and everyone was just raving about her I was like well better bring her in then it's I just look for you know what are fans what's going to engage the fans um, and what
2: what are you know just what what's entertaining totally true story my sister-in-law if anyone brings up Red Panda, she uses the word life-changing. <laughs> really? <laughs> she loved it that much.
1: <laughs> wow. She, so I mean, you're doing
3: great. You're doing great. It's <laughs> a
2: good performance. I, will lie. I
3: really like the Simon Says one because it involves so many fans, like, down on the court. And then, obviously, it's just entertaining because he's just funny. And it's a unique, unique halftime show. It's not one performer. It's someone that's engaging a group.
2: 100%. What would you say is the most stressful part of your job? And then, after that, the most rewarding part of your job? Okay,
3: Um, most stressful part is that, um, so I don't know how else to put it other than I have all the control, but also no control. (laughs) So I am the one that is like, okay, go video. Okay, go cheer. Okay, we're going to do this and move this here and, you know, calling the entire show. But at the end of the day, I'm not actually doing anything. I'm not the one out on the court. I'm not the one pressing the button for the video board. I'm not the one playing, choosing which song we're going to play. So that, that's by far the most stressful part. Um, most rewarding part, honestly, it's kind of cheesy. Um, more when I was a student down the court that I saw this. I don't get to see it as much anymore, which kind of stinks. But, like, it's just the best when you, like, play a video that you, like, have really, like, spent a lot of time on and you really enjoy or you have a promotion that you're like, oh, the fans are really going to enjoy this and, like, you're able to, like, turn, like, rather than looking at the field, you're able to turn and look at the fans and you see them 100%. and they're excited. Or. um, Like, when I was down in the field of football, I used to always keep, like, pom-poms or stickers, like, in my pockets because there was always little kids that would, like, stand on, like, the edges, like, waiting for, like, a player to come and high-five them and to be able to, like, turn around and, like, hey, you want a sticker? And give them a sticker, and it just, like, makes their day. Yeah. It was so, so fun just to, like, see the fans' reactions to, like, all the hard work that you put in.
2: I love that. And what do you think makes BYU kind of unique? I mean, obviously, we're – we stand – apart in the WCC, but what, right. what are you able to do here that maybe you wouldn't be able to do other places?
3: Um, I mean, we obviously have a very unique fan base just being very religious. Like, if we're tied to the a, a religious university, we're, we're, t- we're tied to a religion, and so um, often that means that their priorities are not actually different in a bad way, but, like, you go a lot of places, like, you go see a Duke. Like, that, like, basketball is their religion. Like, if, like, yeah. football down the South, that is their religion. They spend hours and hours and hours and like here we have a religion is how i kind of explain like we have religion so it's not it's like well yes we're fans and we're dedicated it's a different kind of dedication um different kind of loyalty and so um sometimes it's 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 fun to be able to like focus like find unique ways to like attract our fan base and to entertain our fan base because it's definitely a different mentality um We're very, very family-based. So a lot of things we do, it's like, okay, how can we tie this into a family? We've got to consider that we're going to have kids at the game. We're going to have, you know, mom and dad have six, seven kids. How can they afford to bring them to a game? How can we make it affordable for them to bring their entire family to a game? It's not like, oh, this is going to break the bank. We can't afford this. We want it to be something that it's a family activity. It's a family tradition. What can we do to make it, to accommodate that? And that was like part of Cougar Canyon. That's what we do with basketball with halftime shows and with um, just about everything we try and do we like we do ticket tuesdays a lot for basketball which is like usually five dollar tickets so makes it very affordable for families to come.
2: Uh, the last thing I'll ask you about so you've actually been asked to run point for the WCC tournament. Yes. Congratulations. Thank and you. <laughs> it's a huge job. Um, it is. Maybe for fans who are considering going, like talk to them about maybe some things you're excited about that you're planning yeah. over the, at the WCC tournament. Absolutely. Um, so if
3: you've been before, it will be a very different show. I'll preface with that. Um, they they the commissioner reached out to to my boss, David Development Director of Marketing here, and he and she was just like, hey, like we're spending all this money and I'm not getting the product that I want. Can you give me the product that I want? She's like, I've been to your guys' basketball arena. Obviously, within the West Coast Conference, we have. An incredible facility. Um and so she was like, Can you make anything happen? And he said, Yeah, we can do something. <laughs> so um <laughs> that's kind of how I got the job. And so um looking forward to a lot just a lot of new things that we haven't seen before that's just a little like a lot more fan focus. So your timeouts are gonna be, yeah, we'll have our sponsorships, we'll have your um, your encore promotions, but there'll be um, more engaging things going on on the on the on the video boards. So you'll have replays going on, you'll have um, your fan cams a little more involvement with um, an MC that'll be there that I'm really really excited about um, that'll be really engaging. We'll have some cool like lights and hopefully I don't have the go-ahead on this, I don't know if I want to say it, but like uh, cryo and pyro, which is flames and smoke effects for like entrances once we kind of get down to the semifinals and finals games. So just overall like more production value added to the game
2: experience. All right. Well, awesome. Thank you so much for talking to us. We know you're busy. We literally just finished laying out 15,000 pom-poms at the Marriott Center. So (laughs) Uh, uh, thanks for taking the time and telling us a little bit more about what goes on behind the scenes. Thank you. So there you have it. Just one more reason to make the trip to Vegas and see the Cougs in the WCC tournament. It's got even more of a BYU tie than maybe you normally would have. So Anna's excited about the stuff that they're going to be doing at the tournament, just bringing the fans in more than it has been in the past. So it should be a good little weekend.
1: And it should be a good weekend because BYU should do pretty good in the tournament as well it's been a good year so far
2: i mean fingers crossed we exactly. can only control what we can control but
1: <laughs> i'll tell you one thing y'all didn't didn't get to i think is something that has kind of brought that marketing and and the people that go into the stadium around you know that that atmosphere a little bit recently is all of these really heartfelt tributes to kobe bryant yeah. uh, after he and his daughter passed away over last weekend and BYU had something to do with that as well that that I assume y'all in, in your department put together, right?
2: Yeah. So it was kind of Anna's team that really was the brainchild behind it. But they talked about a bunch of different things and what they wanted to do and wanted to keep it kind of low-key. I mean, obviously, we don't have a real personal connection with Kobe, but he means a lot to fans of basketball, basketball and sports in yes. general. Mm-hmm. And so what we ended up doing was pregame, we stopped the clock at exactly 8 minutes and 24 seconds, and we had laid out cards in the rock and then a little bit in the lower bowl, and at 8.24, uh, the front half of the rock had uh, number 24, and then the back half had number 8, and they held it up, and then we put a 24-second clock on the video board, and we dimmed the lights, and there was a yellow light all over the court. And we just held a moment of silence for 24 seconds with a picture of Kobe and his daughter up on the screen. And it was pretty touching. I just having it be like a really low key, like there was no PA announcement. It just the cards had instructions. So it was just solid kind of respectful moment of silence and. I don't know. it It was definitely it was definitely a touching moment.
1: And you can trust basketball fans to kind of figure that out. For you know, sure. you you don't need to be told, and you don't need to ruin the moment sometimes because everyone that that comes to a basketball game, everyone that's ever just watched basketball in general yeah. has this this reverence for one of the greats, and and to see him go too soon, everyone's kind of together yeah. on that boat.
2: Yeah. Some of those like impromptu tributes were some of the ones that. Like, really hit me the hardest. Yeah. <laughs> My little brother says I have tear ducks of glass, but <laughs> there definitely were some tears shed when I saw, like, you know, these guys are competitors. And even when something tragic like this happens, like, they're going to want to play their hardest and they're going to want to win the game. But sometimes you set all of that aside and you just take a moment to say, hey, something has happened and it affects us all. And we're going to just take a moment to recognize that. And it's pretty powerful when it's coming from. You know, these athletes that we sometimes revere as, like, gods on the court. They're, they're <laughs> larger
1: than life. But even in their own lives, there's things that are bigger than yeah. basketball. And to see everyone come together. that And that's, that's what I got out of it is that we all miss Kobe. Now, the ones that right. played with him, the ones that he was a mentor to, and then those of us that just watched him play for our entire lives. Or even kids where even if they didn't see him live, like, Kobe is Kobe.
2: Right. He is a like a mythic being almost.
1: (laughs) Yep. That that wraps us up here on the Cougar Tailgate today. It was a pleasure to talk to Alex Jensen of St. Mary's College Athletics. And then also we got to hear from Anna Kilpak a little bit behind the scenes of what goes into that basketball game day experience when you go to the stadium, when you go to the Marriott Center and, and are a fan there as we encourage everyone to be at the game tonight against St. Mary's. It is 8 o'clock Mountain Time that you can be there. You can catch the Cougar Tailgate every Saturday at 12 o'clock Mountain Time. That is 2 p.m. Eastern and 11 o'clock Pacific. We're also available just any time you want to catch us on the podcast. That's iTunes, TuneIn, Stitcher, and Google Play. Or, you know, if you have another strategy for finding your podcast, even BYU Radio, you can get us there. We are a production of BYU Radio. My name is Cole Wissinger, and that is Sydney Carlson. Go Cougs.